Well, Steve Malazzo, welcome to the journey, and I'm um, glad you were able to join us this morning. And uh, so, let me just mention a little bit about what the journey is about. And the journey is um, uh, just having normal conversation, just talking about how, in a person's life, uh, just ordinary people, how they may have had either some some type of setback, either because of addiction, mental illness, uh, uh, changing career, um, something happening along that line. And then what did they learn from that? What, what things have come up um, when that happened in their lives? And then now what have they done as a result of, of going, going through that setback. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, so that's essentially what we do on the journey. And, uh, I, uh, know your sister-in-law. I've, I've known Karen for a, a long time. She's a great, well, definitely one of my star therapists that, that worked for me at KP. So, uh, and she talks extremely. We'll have to play this back to her. Yeah, exactly. Too. Well, this, 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 this would be like a birthday present for her. <laughs> and, uh, and then she has this great fondness for these two, uh, two little ones that you have. So no, uh, yeah, three, three, oh, three, got now, a, yes. yeah, infant now, yeah, too, so, the, yeah, yeah. I haven't I'm heard busy. as much about that one, but the the two yeah. boys I have heard a ton about. Uh, so, uh, so, uh, so, Steve, if you could just maybe mention a little bit about your backstory and who mm-hmm. who you are, but maybe before we jump into that, what is what does Steve do for fun when he uh, when you have an opportunity to have fun? I know with three three young ones and a, just mm-hmm. a young family in general, and I know you're you know uh, busy with work and everything. What do you what do you do for fun? Well, you know, with if I'm not changing a diaper or sure. you know doing anything with the with the kids, I like to uh, spend time on the water in the summer. In uh, you know, it's since I have three boys, all under five or five and under, it's a lot of things kind of you know center around them. So sure. sledding and all that fun stuff. You know, sure. we, we can you know we try to get a babysitter once in a while and go out and have some fun, but. Uh, Sure. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so just a little bit about your your backstory. Um, your well, first, your your wife's name is Amanda. Amanda. Okay. And then you and you have three boys. Uh, mm-hmm. Your oldest is five. Is that right? Yep. And and his name is Lucas. Lucas. Okay. Yeah. And then the next one, uh, Joshua. Joshua. And how old is Joshua? He's. Uh, Three and a half. Okay. All right. And then your youngest, the the newborn. Yeah, he's almost one. So he's going to be one, oh, one next already. month. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Okay. And yeah. his name is? Micah. Micah. Okay. And um, and so you grew up where? Where did you grow up? So I grew up in a suburb of Chicago called Park Ridge. Okay. Uh, it's pretty much right on the border of the city um, by O'Hare Airport. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, pretty much grew up the entire time there until I moved out, uh, went to college and then, uh, Amanda and I lived in Des Plaines, which is a suburb over there for about four and a half years. And then we moved out, uh, here to Winnebago about three years ago. Okay. And how did you and Amanda meet? Uh, in college. Okay. So we met at NIU. Okay. And I think it was actually the same apartment complex that her parents met at, which is kind of, kind of crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, she was she was my neighbor. I think she lived above me, and then they kind of switched apartments a c- couple times. But okay. um, yeah, she was my neighbor. Okay, I think she was probably you know banging on the ceiling because we were too loud. My my roommate was a, a DJ, so oh, he sure. would uh, he would practice. Gotcha. And I would kind of you know make the uh, neighbors some of them <laughs> not too happy. <laughs> sure, sure. And you, uh, what did you study at NIU? 
uh, business. Okay. All right. Now, when you were at Park Ridge, uh, did, uh, when you were in high school, any extracurriculars? Did you uh, any sports or any clubs or activities or anything like that? Yeah, you know, as soon as, um, well, as soon as like, I always was a worker. So as soon as I think I applied for a work permit at 14, I always okay. wanted to do something. So I was working, you know, since 15, 16. And um, uh, it was the best job ever. I can remember we, I did a little retail, but then I was a lifeguard. That's the be- That was the best job of my life so far. Shit. I mean, it was amazing. <laughs> you got a tan and yeah. you just sat there. I think it was, I still remember it you would be on um in the chair 40 hours of every hour and then off 20 minutes so if you you know you could do 12 13 hours a row it was it was amazing so sure okay yeah so i did that i remember that like a lot in high school i did um uh it's funny mando always makes fun of me i did tennis um for sport my friends were all uh they did wrestling a lot so i actually did some of the conditioning with them because i liked working out but then I just never committed to anything because <laughs> I was uh, got to work. Okay. So. so now, did you play tennis for the school or did yeah, you just play yeah. for fun? Okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it was for the school team. So. Okay, gotcha. We uh, a few episodes ago, uh, we had an individual who came on um, who also played tennis, but then went on and played at the collegiate level, Division One level. And oh wow! Turned, yeah, and so turned pro for a while. Yeah. yeah. So it was, um, it was, it was a pretty for in his case that was his mm-hmm. world, and that was a mm-hmm. pretty intense uh, element for Rob. So yeah, my body type changed, so it wasn't the best tennis yeah. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. Transition to football. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. So, um, so then, uh, mom. Now you have twin. You have a twin mm-hmm. and a twin brother and mm-hmm. identical twins, right? Yep. Yep. And then any other siblings? Yep. And a younger brother as yep. well, Mark. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yep. And then your your twin brother's name is Nick. Nick. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's you and Nick are the oldest, and then and then Mark. Mm-hmm. And then, how old is uh, what's the age span between Mark and you? Very close. I think mean, it's eighteen months apart, okay. so a year and a half. Yeah. Oh, so there was there was the three of you guys were pretty. Oh yeah, pretty right. close. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then, what did mom and dad? Um, did they work? Did mom work outside the home? Did dad? What did dad do? So my mom was a nurse, and then she pretty much, with three kids, was able to stay home. Um, my dad worked in construct um, construction for. He was an engineer um, and worked for the same company for about, uh, must have been over 30 years. So he, he's he been, he recently is kind of transitioning into semi-retirement. He'll do like a couple jobs here and there, but okay. gotcha. getting into that stage of life. Sure. Okay. So, um, so t- tell us a little bit. I know part of your story mm-hmm. um, was... Uh, that uh, that your brother, your your twin brother, mm. uh, has has struggled uh, with with uh, some mental illness, and so. Mm. But before we jump into that, I'm just curious what what is it like to be a twin? I you know, <laughs> I have a younger I have a younger brother, and I've had friends that have uh, that have had been twins, and I have friends of our family uh, have triplets, and so oh, I wow. yeah. have two, two girls and a boy, but. Obviously, in this case, they're not, they're all uh, fraternal twins. And so, mm-hmm. um, so what was it like growing up uh, being a, a twin slash identical twin? Yeah, you know, it was something else. Uh, and I think, I, I, I forgot who brought it up, but it was some research where 
we're not only we're identical mirror image twins so it's kind of weird they say um if you fold your hands like this one one will have this thumb and the other hand will have this thumb over uh, it and like you know if uh my right eye is a little bad it would be his left eye um so so that's called a mirror image. it's called a mirror image identical twin so apparently that's even more rare so okay. i guess to um you know lead up to the question it, it's kind of funny because growing up we were friends with it i you know uh, like i don't want to swear i shit you not <laughs> we were friends with uh three other identical uh twins really I, I remember this growing up i thought it was kind of strange but um i don't know people would joke all the time they're like oh you know can you you know switch classrooms and your teacher would you know wouldn't know and and you know we never did anything like that but sure. um but uh you know it was it's it's something uh i mean you pretty much have um uh it's a kind of clone of yourself no matter what you do so mm -hmm. growing up i never really felt um you know completely alone or you know other kids have to do things by himself i always have my brother with me mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know and uh and my other brother too so yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know it i guess i don't know that that would be the the main thing because you 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 view the world differently because you're you have this twin brother so mm -hmm. it's like a lot of times you do things together and kind of um figure things out and then kind of tell the other one and sure. i think i was kind of the more uh dominant twin growing up so yeah. i would kind of do something and and kind of help them out and that was kind of the relationship growing up and where they used to always joke about i used to always have me i was the one having the bad ideas or i don't know <laughs> you would follow along so the so you you would have the ideas that may have been outside the lines and, and yeah he was the more cautious one yeah, the okay. very cautious um uh you know uh, not a f like cautious afraid i was kind of more like not thinking about that aspect or ang that anxiety, like just kind of go and do it and more have fun. Hey, relax. Like you're, you know, yeah, yeah more adventure, adventurous. So. Gotcha. So, um, so as, so I know a lot of times I've, I've, I've talked to other individuals who've been twins and they, there's a lot of times with parents will, will do certain things and, you know, do the cute things and dress everybody the same <laughs> and, and do all those types of things. What do you now being a parent of three and uh -huh. in close proximity, um, what things do you remember growing up with your mom and dad? Um, you know, how did they, how are they raising twins? I mean, I don't know if that's the right question, but yeah, it, no, I, I know what you mean. Cause yeah. For sure, you, you know, you see those um, families with twins or triplets, and they probably have all matching clothes mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. things like that. Um, I, you know, I can't think. We all had our own um, growing up. It was, it, you know, it's funny that had the, well, the 90s neon colors that are, you know, probably came back and already went out of style already. I don't sure. know. But um, I was always like the neon orange. My brother Nick was a neon green. And then my other brother Mark, I think he was either purple or yellow. I can't remember. <laughs> um, but, you know, so in that aspect, I don't think we wore a lot of the same clothes. And um, then again, I don't know, though. We were probably little. We probably had some of the matching ones. I don't know if it was a thing where you said like... Uh, you know, the little shirts with the arrows on it, like I'm with, you know, oh, sure, sure. So and so. <laughs> and, you know, I, I don't know. I think when just growing up, my parents um, treated us all kind of individualized. I, I don't, okay. um, I don't know. You get like more comments from other people, like people at school, like, oh, you know, if, uh, 
you know, if I punch him in the in the shoulder as hard as I can, like, will you feel it? Or do you guys have ESP and mm-hmm. all that stuff? Um, and but it, the being on the family front, I you know, we just saw I was Steve, mm-hmm. Nick was Nick, mm-hmm. Mark was Mark. So okay, okay, interesting. And so, um, and I know we'll probably come back to this idea about the mirrored twins mm-hmm. that may have played more may have revealed itself more as, as time goes on, you know, mm-hmm. in, the, in the, some of it's the small stuff, right? If you hold your hands one way, he just naturally f- folds his hands the other way, or just like you were maybe more adventurous, he was more cautious. And mm-hmm. I imagine there was a lot of that element that, you know, you would just say, Oh, that was just, you know, that was just Nick. He was just that, you know, way, or, mm-hmm. or that's just Steve. But, um, but if there is that element that there's a mirroring going on back and forth, that's um, could even guide some things even more is give us a better template of how things may unfold. But um, so, and one of the things that I hear a lot about with, with twins is that maybe it's out of survival sake for the parents or, or whatever that the, they, the, the, in this case, it would be the boy, struggle with trying to find their own identity. Mm-hmm. Um, and anything that you remember about that or maybe uh, being more the dominant? You know, that is interesting that you bring that up because, you know, gr- growing up, I was always agitated. I was like, oh, why is he following me doing everything? And, mm-hmm. you know, kind of if you fast forward time a little bit, it kind of falls into place and, and a lot of things kind of make sense. But, um you know, I, I think, yeah, I think he definitely struggled to find identity because, you know, he's, um, you know, if, if he was, I th- growing up, he was definitely, I think, in my shadow a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. I can remember, um, you know, he did have his own group of friends, um, you know, and I can't remember how this was like middle school or, or, or you know, younger than that. But, you know, when we got into high school and things like that, that's where I kind of noticed it a lot more where he was just kind of um, he stopped having his own group of friends. And, um, you know, he would he's my twin brother. So he comes with me um, and, you know, he would kind of, you know, even my friends at the time, uh, you know, it's oh, it's Nick. Right. It's Steve's brother. So, mm-hmm. you know, he can tag along and I would I would kind of get. And to tell you the truth, I got frustrated because when it was time to go to college, you know, even I had family members say, oh, well, you, you know, make sure you go to the same college as Nick, you know, so you can help him. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's attached to you and, you know, you can room with him and do all of that. And to be honest with you, like I just I was like, you know, I knew that it, that we had to kind of grow up by ourselves. And I kind of I w- at the time I was annoyed because mm-hmm. like it's I felt like. You know, because we did go to NIU together freshman year, and we did room together, and um, you know, it was a time in my life where I'm like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I want to do. Like, I'm gonna wake up, I'm gonna work out when I want to do, mm-hmm. and then, um, you know, I felt like he should do the same, mm-hmm. and he, you know, I would find him kind of, you know, quote unquote, copying me, kind of, you know, I laugh. It's like my five and three-year-old fight all the time and it's like no stop doing this I'm doing it and Mm -hmm. maybe it was some aspect of that in college where I kind of wanted to break away and Mm -hmm. he was still kind of hanging on so that makes a whole lot of sense with the identity for sure I think sure 
and I, you know, I, and I know just my own experience, you know, when I, when I went away to school, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that, and I was, uh, I went to two years at a community college and then, then went away. And even though I had done a lot of things and traveled a lot and done a lot of, you know, different, different aspects that moving away and, um, discovering new friends and creating your, your own outside of your own growing up space, mm-hmm. um, there, it was, it was intimidating, and and even and even though I had a lot of experience with that in in other avenues, there was always that home base, and so it was different. So I imagine, um, no, not any different for yourself, mm-hmm. but then you had, if if Nick was there with you and you were the more adventurous one, it's probably a little bit different for you. Maybe it was a little bit like you're being held back. And, I and, felt like I was, yeah. Yeah, and so, um, and and that's a normal, a, a normal thing, right? I mm-hmm. mean, you're 18 years old, and that's a that's a pretty normal, natural thing that um, this has been your whole entire life, even pre-birth, that you know. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, it'd be pretty normal to say uh, or feel that way. You know, mm-hmm. I, I would think that would be a pretty natural. And there is a lot of individuals that I know that are, have had that similar experience um, as twins um, or triplets. And so, um, so, so kind of fast forward now, um, to during the time period in, in you, that Nick struggled. I mean, he had already, you know, there'd been a little bit, he was, he he maybe wasn't as outgoing as you anyways. Mm -hmm. Um, but now you're starting to see some things different, even different than, than you saw in middle school and high school. And and what were some things that you saw different? Yeah. So you know, and, and everyone kind of has their own time frame in which to accept, you know, things that are going on and mm-hmm. kind of process it themselves. But, you know, I first I first started noticing it in high school, um, the, you know, junior, senior year of high school. It was clearly something was wrong, but everyone would kind of chalk it up to, oh, you know, he's a teenager. He's angry. He's listening to music in his room. You know, let, let him work it out. And in some aspect, I thought that was the same thing, too. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of why I was excited to go to college because I felt like if he had the opportunity to meet new people, get out of his shell, like that, that would just, that's to me, that's, you know, the first step in growing up and making Mm -hmm. your own decisions and things like that. So I thought that that would be like a positive, um, you know, aspect about it. But I first started noticing some major different, you know, um, being the whole mirror image twin idea where it's like, you know, I, you know, don't have ESP, but I could pretty much, um, you know, think what, you know, you know him, you know, growing up, sleeping in the same room, bunk beds, you know, you, you, you know, what's going on, like in, in mm-hmm. the person's mind. So you, you, you know, when, when there, when you notice a disconnect, um, I'm going to notice it first, right? Mm-hmm. Besides anyone else. Um, so I did, you know, and I voiced my concerns. Um, and I think, you know, I was kind of swept under the rug because, you know, people don't want to think, oh, there's something seriously wrong with my 17-year-old, you know. So, um, you know, the thought was, oh, go to college, you know, you have Steve there with you um, and progress. So that happened. Uh, I I dormed with him. So mm-hmm. he was my roommate uh, for the for the first year. I think it was either first year or first semester. I, I, I think it was the first year. I can't remember. Um, but that's when he started really struggling in school. His, it's not like the kid. He tries so much. Um, you know, he took the same entrance test as I did and scored the same, you know, that I score I did, which, mm-hmm. 
and he wasn't copying off you know yeah, <laughs> i mean yeah, it's yeah. he did it by himself because yeah. you know but um you know at that point that's and the, and the, to be honest with you this time period is mostly a blur because that's pretty much when uh everything you know should hit the fan speaking i yeah. mean it did it was like is this really happening like what's wrong with nick you know mm. he would i started noticing that he stopped taking showers completely mm. and um you know i'm, I'm a freshman in college i want to have fun i'm not going to think about this you know adult stuff that we're talking about now like right. i'm going to drink and have fun and you know girls and things like that like i didn't want to worry about oh there's something seriously wrong with my you know or and really other than you didn't know i mean you just right. he's acting now now dramatically different than before really yeah i mean it was it got to the point where you know he wanted shower for multiple days and uh then i'm like okay there's some you know something wrong and then with the with, with everything surrounding it the grades and then just you know i would uh you know i would get the idea oh you know i'm gonna i'm gonna work out i'm gonna feel great i'm gonna sit down and i'm gonna have a talk with him i'm gonna get through to him mm -hmm. so to speak and i tried that um you know can't tell you how many times but in your mind you're like you think you think that you can do it right mm -hmm. you can just make someone change or get better but you know as time <clears throat> went on you know realize that you know this is going to be something that he you know needs to do figure out by himself and that's when he moved back home uh with mom and dad and then he started going to a community college and you know, my family didn't really understand his grades, right? Because they thought he was kind of doing it on purpose, mm -hmm. right? Um, so, I mean, <laughs> it was a point I remember my uh, my dad forced him to sign a contract <laughs> with him. And, you know, because we're, we're using the tools that we have in our toolbox to sure. fix the problem. Yep. And if that's yep. all we know... You know, yeah. oh, there's yeah. not there's nothing seriously wrong with with this kid. He's just needs to try harder. He's you know, he's being lazy, something like that. And this is around the time frame where I started saying, like, listen, there's something seriously wrong. When I started, you know, talking to him, he would it would be like you weren't even talking to the your your twin brother anymore. It was someone else. And, mm. the you know. And when you say that, so obviously there's certain observational behavior things, in this mm -hmm. case, not happening, right? So there's isolation, um, not taking showers, you know, the, the, the poor hygiene. Yeah. I'm guessing not going to class. Um, the sad part is he would, um, I, th I think he would still go and the oh. teachers would be horrible, mean to him. And why are you even trying anymore? Like you're failing and... I felt bad. It was sad. So he would go to class, but he just wasn't able to process the content. Right. Gotcha. And, okay. the, you know, that was probably the last thing, you know, that he would, if he's not perceptive to, to learning, I mean, he's struggling to, you know, wake up. Mm -hmm. So, so I just, I just, I'm just thinking to myself of how such a difficult time period for this to be happening, um, because mm -hmm. he's for the first time himself, he's going away. Mm -hmm. He, there, that part of him that's probably having all these self doubts about is he, is he able to make the, you know, make the cut going from a high school student to a college student, anyways. And now, unbeknownst to him, learning has now became extremely difficult because of how his brain's processing information mm -hmm. um 
and 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 he probably doesn't know is he during this time period is he articulating anything to you is he is he talking to you about what's what what is happening in, in his thinking uh i mean it's it's tough tough to t- tough to remember honestly like it, the transition because um i mean it, it's it, it, it it's tough because it's not like a, a switch is flipped. I mean, yep. you kind of see the signs sure, in retrospect. Yeah. So you look and you're like, oh, wow, this makes a whole lot of sense. Like the, sure. all this stuff was happening. Um, in hindsight. Yeah, yeah. in hindsight. Yeah. But when it's actually happening, you're <clears throat> you're still trying to do everything you can. Like, listen, I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to get through to mm-hmm. him. He's just having, you know, it's depression or something mm-hmm. like that. Yep. And he's going to, you know, magically Homesick, get better. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and he's going to, you know for lack of a better term, pull his head out of his ass and right. and start doing well in school and everything's right. going to, he's going to get a girlfriend and everything's yeah. going to be good. Right. I mean, that's what we want. Um, well, and in some ways that my guess has been your role with him throughout your guys's life mm-hmm. that there, that you could have those talks with him. You could, you could, you know, pull him through when he had self doubts or he was a little bit gun shy about doing something that was your in a lot of ways that was the role that sounds like that was the role that you played with him so why wouldn't you think this was going to be any different mm-hmm. so for you when so did he finish he, he stayed there all the first semester did he stay for the second semester too yeah so <clears throat> so he stayed he stayed the, the second semester and then you know, to be completely honest, like it was kind of almost a relief that he did move back home because mm-hmm. I was able to move in with an apartment with a friend and I was actually, you know, started my college experience. Right, right, um, right. While at the same time, I knew that he was, you know, safe and at home. And I think he actually did start doing, uh, getting some good grades and some, you know, so I think he did start getting good grades again. And I think he, you know, got a girlfriend or something, was being social, was talking mm-hmm. to people, had friends. And um, so in my mind, I'm like, okay, he's going to be okay, right? Yeah. He's going to do, he's going to be good. And I, f- I forgot what else he was doing if he started a job or something as well. But in my mind, I'm like, all right, like this is, this is the end of the whole scary phase or, you yeah. know, whatever it is. And little do we know, it didn't even really start yet. But um, so, you know, in college, this is happening, and to be completely honest, the whole his state since I was absent, I didn't really um, see what progressed from freshman year to senior year, mm-hmm. and then um, uh, really, I graduated college, I moved back, and I stayed home for six months. I was actually saving up for an engagement ring mm-hmm. for my wife now Amanda, and um, so I lived at home for six months, and I was working full time, and I just saved, save, save, and. And, uh, and and bought the ring, but it was it, that's when it was started noticing everything. I'm like, listen, guys, like there's something seriously wrong. Um, but you know, it was hard for him to because he has to voluntarily um, mm-hmm. do it himself, right? right? So unless it's you know voluntary impatient or you yep. know whatever it is. Um, so you know when he when he finally got diagnosed, this was like after I graduated college, I mean, mm. it was like 2009, I think it was. So, um, in my opinion, he probably should have been diagnosed years prior, but, sure. um, you know, that's when, uh, that's when they started him 
you know, we, uh, it was horrible. I mean, we had to take them. It was kind of similar, you know, my, uh, grandmother, when she was, we had to put her in a nursing home. It was a similar situation. And I don't even think I was there that day that my parents dropped him off. Um, you know, saying, how can you do this to me? And all this, you know, So that was Nick was saying to them. Yeah. I mean, it must be horrible for a parent or family. I mean, you know, but it needed to be done. And, you know, um, so this was, they were bringing him in, bringing him to uh, hospital or was he going yeah, to you know, at that point? Or do well, you, the whole, the thing was like, no one would see him for whatever reason, unless it was like really su- like suicide attempt or something like that. And really the only reason he got an appointment with the psychiatrist that he did was because my cousin worked at a behavioral health, okay. um, like a, a big name, um, medical group and was able to get him in. And, um, you know, that's when I'm telling him, I'm like, listen, he's talking about hallucinations, glowing numbers on the wall. Like this is when my anxiety started really flaring okay. up and, and like, there's something really wrong. So he was then sharing those experiences that he was having. Mm-hmm. Okay. So was he sharing them with other people besides you or just sharing? Honestly, them? I think I was the first person he told. And okay. I went to my parents and I said, right. listen, something more is going on. Yeah. Than just depression. Right. Um, and not that that is sometimes as no, severe. N- no, you know, but, but I mean, but when you're starting he to need, needed medication. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, so he goes in and at, and at that point, um, because he's older, right? And a lot of times, unfortunately, um, when they're when someone's older, then they're only being seen. Um, you know, they're the only one sitting in front of the the in this case psychiatrist or or a therapist or counselor or whatever. So sometimes they don't always uh, share everything, and and so right. and so yeah. there's limitations there. But at that point, did he was he diagnosed at that point or? Yeah, so, you know, he, they started him right away. He was in a, I mean, must have been inpatient. It was real traumatic for me to see him in there with no mm-hmm. shoelaces or belt. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and then, uh, yeah, it was. It's okay. It was traumatic. Yeah. You know, <coughs> you gotta, gotta laugh sometimes, right? But yeah. I remember. <laughs> It's funny because I played piano. Um, I guess I should have said in the in the beginning sure. some of the things that we've done as a kid. All three of us play piano since okay. first grade. I used to wake up and practice piano six a.m. in the morning, kind of set my tone for the rest of the day. I kind of wish I should do that now, but you know the kid babies are sleeping, so <laughs> can't really do that anymore. But you know when I was actually in the place, um, and you know I guess they they bring in like a. A counselor and mm-hmm. the doctor and they like kind of talk to the family and mm-hmm. you know because they have to educate us they had to educate us and uh, to look for certain things and mm-hmm. and and things like that but they also kind of you know wanted to um share the news like the his diagnosis was mm-hmm. schizophrenia schizoaffective disorder whatever the you know diagnosed term is initially yeah. um and I didn't say anything, and I just there was a piano in the room, and I just went over and started playing the piano. Yeah, my cousin's like, "Yeah, you didn't, you you didn't say anything. You just started playing piano." I'm like, "Yeah, I, I don't know." So I dealt with it, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's funny. They I usually don't. I you know I'm a I'm a gabber, as you know Amanda will say, or yeah. 
by uh, Karen's mother-in-law. So she was talking about some kind of um, thing in in Ireland that if you touch, you have the gift of gab or something. Oh, and she's sure. like, oh, you don't need that. Yeah. <laughs> I usually ramble and talk about God knows what. But, um, uh, but yeah, so that, I mean, when all that was happening, that was, t- that was yeah, about 10 years ago now. Okay. Um, so when, and again, just to help you articulate what, what that feeling was when mm-hmm. you heard that you already knew something was going on right and and maybe even at a deeper level because of your connection uh, to nick um now now there's a, a diagnosis now there's a a label mm-hmm. and, and and i say label more from a standpoint in this particular case of okay so now we know there's something actually going on mm-hmm. but um there was not re- in this case. There's no. There's not relief. There is something happened. What, what was what was the loss that happened at that point? Yeah, I mean, and really, and we'd have conversations about this. I mean, at that point, um, I mean, I pretty much. It, it's hard because you you grieve the loss of a family member because they're never going to be the same again. But yet they're still with us and. Mm-hmm every day after that point yeah um so it's it's tough i think the the thing you know and part of the reason what made me write my initial article that i blasted it out to the world to see because you know people would always make these comments to me either at work or um they're like oh you know you had a perfect life and you perfect family life and all this stuff and these people have like no idea yeah. no and there's a lot of people and they're millions yeah and they're in the same situation and mm-hmm. no one knows and no one talks about it right because it's not you know there's this you know in nami they use the stigma over and over again and it's true and it's just not it's getting to the point there's you know you're doing amazing stuff there's people out there that's uh really taking this to the forefront being like hey listen like this is we have to talk about this is happening like you know all these trends are not just all the trends are not just happening by themselves because so many so long decades of not paying attention to this kind of stuff and talking about and the fact that i didn't feel comfortable by telling anyone like Mm -hmm anyone I worked with or, you know, just, just no, like, and you know, you have these work meetings and they're like, Oh, tell us a little bit, bit about yourself. Of course I want to say, Oh yeah, I'm identical twin brother and all this kind of stuff. You know, my little brother is, you know, um, uh, you know, therapist doing this. So, oh, what does your twin do? It boy that. Yeah. yeah. Cause yeah. no one wants to talk about that. So, yeah. um, well, you know, it's, it's, it, and I think this is, uh, I think this is what, when you were in that room and you heard heard the diagnosis for the first time, it now shatters the denial, right? It, it, it shatters, uh, you know, the, um, we, we want to not, we want it to not be what it is. Mm-hmm. And now it, it's, 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 it's shattered. The, the window's now broken. And so now, now, now that, that loss comes in now at the same time that that's that's shattered it also can be the the same exact time period where where we now know because we know what it is then you can start doing something about it right so so that's the positive yeah so yeah so i think it's it's the combination of of that not only you know the i think the hard thing with mental illness is that it's a it's it's not always visible right Mm -hmm. so so you you can't actually see it so if someone is 
uh, has, has is an amputee, they've lost a limb. You can see that, or if, right. if they're blind, or you can you can see that they don't have their vision. You can see that they um, have to w- walk with a prosthetic. I mean, there's 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 a different element, and there's that same grieving that family members do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I imagine again being being his twin, being his identical twin in the, in the mirroring part that, that even adds even more of, of that connection. One, it allows us to allowed you guys to know what now possibly can be done, mm-hmm. but it's, it, it shatters that denial. It, sh- it shatters that, well, he's just going to grow out of it. Right. Right. In that, yeah. in that element of it. And so, um, and we'll spend, as humans, we'll spend an extended amount of energy and time trying to stay in in that 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 happy normal land. zone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that normal perceived line. normal zone. Because yeah. really, no one is completely yeah. you know. Yeah, and, and and clearly, things were going on during that time period for that six to eight years had had already been happening, um, but now all of a sudden, it's it's brought to the it's brought to light, mm-hmm. and. Um, and I think you're right with what you said. As a, and, and I want to hear a little bit more about that part. At first, it was I don't know what to do with this, mm-hmm. right? Literally, and you just started playing the piano, so you went to that space where you could just channel those emotions, right? And that makes total That's exactly sense. What I did, yeah. <laughs> that makes total mm-hmm. sense. And then, and then there was I don't know what to say about this or do with this, so I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to avoid it. But then you decided that you're going to go. You're going to go public. You're going to go. Mm-hmm. You're, you're not going to run from anywhere. What made you come to that point? Um, it's just something in your soul that's like, listen, you have to do this. I'll, I'll tell you what. Like it was, it was a hard, hardest thing. <clears throat> I mean, this you know, talking right now about it is the hardest thing, but doing it for the first time and doing that article that was my first step because I I want. Um, you know, it, and one of the things I heard, and was one of, um, the other podcasts that, you know, the person that, um, I was listening to, she said one of the things that made her feel the best was to help other people, no Mm -hmm. matter on top of all things. And, um, that's same goes for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I posted that LinkedIn article, I had people from across the country message me in the mm-hmm. same situation. Oh, my brother in talking about things. I got a email from a, from a, another woman. I think it was across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's, that's what I'm doing it for. And, you know, the title of it was you're not alone because you feel alone because yeah. no one talks about it. And, Oh, you know, the way that people talk about, you know, diseases such as schizophrenia and things like that i mean it is kind of a scary thing i mean they have mm-hmm. movies and stuff i mean the actual reality is a lot more sad than scary but um uh yeah well and i think there is uh of because of the fear and because of the stigma um maybe it's the other way around because of the stigma mm-hmm. there's fear and there's a lack of awareness and education about um about mental illness in general, but even more specifically, more what we refer to as chronic, certain chronic mental illnesses, schizophrenia, schizoaffective disorder, mm-hmm. though even even more so with that. And and it's and it is just as equally complex um, that that we talk a lot of times in therapy that um, 
it's a it's a three part approach. Uh, the proper medication to help someone be within range to be able to do the counseling and uh, therapy they need to do because now they have to learn how to do certain things to stay within an optimal living range, mm-hmm. and they have to create a lifestyle so that they can do that um, because it's it's a it's a lifestyle as well and it's hard. Um, it's, it's hard enough to do it w- when you're not struggling with some, with an illness, but when you're struggling yeah. with an illness, because everything about that illness doesn't want you to be functioning mm-hmm. or, or, or not functioning in a, in a healthy lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked, we've had somebody on here before who talked about that his depression has a vested interest of not letting him go. Mm-hmm. And, and because it wants to continue to exist and and so that's why we have to get you know more and more educated and the medication helps keeps the symptoms in check or can keep them in check but it isn't and i imagine you've and nick have experienced that your parents have experienced that just because the medication was was dialed in and worked exactly in the in you know the first quarter of the year everything was good that doesn't necessarily mean that the same medications are going to work exactly the same way six months later yeah and that's kind of the the challenge um with the medication piece is that it's kind of um kind of like a dart on a dartboard finding mm-hmm. the right medication and you know and people's bodies build up immunities and um things like that and then you start noticing you know just recently um he did find a medication that worked very well in the beginning he was um, pretty high functioning he had a uh, a facility that was close by the house that was helping him that facility got closed down lack of funding uh went downhill after that um uh, you know then they had to switch he switched his medication a couple times and now he's pretty low functioning mm-hmm. um you know I'd, it's a combination of things like you said so mm-hmm. it's the treatment the medication um you know and it's some and you know they t- they tell they um i've been told as a family member too like sometimes you have to lower your expectations at the same time and just kind of go with it and help the best way you can mm-hmm. but um you know it's nothing's ever going to be you know fortunately i wish there was a magic pill mm-hmm. i wish you know yeah. but it is it, it's i, I having spoke to a handful of people over over my career that is that it's that key of of medi- diet, trying to find the right medication and helping them learn how to have their own voice because they have to report what's going on and what's not going on and and those little simple things about keeping a journal about you know where where are you at how are you feeling and so we can go back and look at that um you know mm-hmm. checklist regarding you know uh, sh- everything from showering to eating to yeah, yeah. you know Tasks change your clothes living. you know yeah. yeah making your bed um all those basic things that we and, and why those are so important is because the things that we can do externally have that external structure will allow some of the internal chaos to slow down a little bit. Mm-hmm. If both are in chaotic form, um, it, it's 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 a, it's a worse playground, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, so going back to yourself as a family member, and and then um, you you know, it, it's 
all those things that you talked about, about wanting to have uh, your own identity, your own autonomy, um, all those things. And, mm-hmm. and, and now knowing a lot more to the story, not that you would have been able to do anything different because this thing, uh, uh, this mental illness is much bigger than you. Um, there's nothing that you would have been able to say or do, um, uh, because it, it's, it t- has a life of its own. Um, and, mm. um, what what has that been like now being able your part is to not only take care of yourself and take care of your family but uh to have a voice about it uh, a voice for other people who are family members who yeah yeah and um because i feel especially in and i feel like now there's honestly we're on the brink of some really good stuff i mean there's a lot of um people are starting to catch on like mm-hmm. hey we need to start taking this seriously and mm-hmm. putting resources and and um and things like that but um i mean if i can just reach one person that Mm -hmm. is going that has gone through something similar right now and be like hey you know i mean this is this is normal this is normal for me Mm -hmm. (laughs) part of my life and it's normal if i can you know have that um just knowing that they're not alone Mm -hmm. and there's millions of people like that and they're living with their family members and fortunately a lot of the homeless are Mm -hmm. that don't have you know the family that's going to do that because yeah. i mean there's a lot of misconception with that as well like oh well, wouldn't like you know they be institutionalized or things like that and the, the reality is unless they do like a violent crime or something they don't they're not institutionalized so I mean, it's like yeah. up to the they have to voluntarily when you're that mentally ill you don't voluntarily say go someplace and say i need help right, right. so it's kind of you know it's difficult in that aspect but um you know just going through this the advantages uh, is that I, you know, completely changed my whole world, uh, yeah. how I view everything. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> having worked with, you know, I, I work in the insurance industry now and I've worked in HR a little bit and having, you know, people's personal, there's everyone has something personally that, that they might be going through. That's tough. It could be anything. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like that, you know, gives me a little little more equipped where I can have those conversations that are similar and kind of provide, um, that kind of, uh, compassion, I guess, um, and help them and, and, uh, have a different perspective than maybe someone else, um, would not have. So I got another tough question for you. Yeah. Okay. And, and part of the reason why I asked this is because I'm a, I don't hear a lot of people talking about it. So good. Um, so in your case, it's even amplified. Not only are you a family member, but being a twin, mm-hmm. but you're a family member, a twin, um, who who doesn't have mental illness. Yeah, you have stuff, maybe. It's you know, but you don't have um, you you don't have um, uh, you know chemical imbalance. Um, not only so i'll have people talk about you know why not me i mean i I could be hallucinating this whole thing it could be like shutter island that's that's true we all might be though in my own mind um, you're interviewing me on this podcast (laughs) (laughs) but when we're all having the same hallucination it's it seems to not be the same reality yeah there you go exactly yeah exactly (laughs) so but that idea of uh regardless if it's survivor guilt or, or why not me, um, 
why why did Nick have to deal with these things? Mm-hmm. Maybe if you could just speak a little bit to yeah, that. Yeah, and that's that was a that's a huge part of um, you know it's that's a huge part of of uh, the negative emotion. I feel like um, everything I do I do like any kind of milestone mm-hmm. that I had in my life, whether it was uh, getting married, having my first son getting that job that I wanted or, you know, doing stuff like that every single time. I've always, um, I've always been sad at first. Like, you know, it's like you said, the survivor guilt or, Mm -hmm. and then, um, you know, it's, you learn to, um, you know, to be happy in the moment. And obviously I'm not like, Oh, my son's born. And it's Mm -hmm. it's like, Oh, that's so horrible. But it's a emotion that I have and I, it's involuntary. I don't, you know, mean to have it, but at the same time, it is really sad because, you know, you're born with this individual and for whatever reason, he's not allowed to have a quote unquote normal life like you, like, you know, and it is true. Why am I allowed to have all these things? I Mm -hmm. don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think that 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 part of it, you know, and why I appreciate you coming on and here talking about it and and doing what you can do about it, which is talking about it, because mm-hmm. um, that this is Nick's journey, just like this is Steve's journey and, mm-hmm. and, and similar to Mark's journey. And and so I think the lessons that we can learn from it is, is how having a greater appreciation for what, what we do have because we recognize that there's individuals who don't. G- grieving it, being able to experience it and, mm-hmm. and, and share those things because that's going to give voice to other other individuals. Um, just the element of, because uh, we don't understand, so then we have fear. Well, could it happen to me? Mm-hmm. You know, or, or could it happen to my you know my kids? Or could it happen to, and, and we have this fear, right? And, mm-hmm. um and and so, you know, obviously there's advances in technology and and you know regarding genetics and different things like that that we can look into. But I think the biggest thing that we can do is one feel those feelings when they come up, mm-hmm. recognize them. They're not something to try to push away and make go away, but then give voice to it because who we don't know who's going to be listening to this, and they needed to hear. Um, what it was like for you in your experience and mm-hmm. um because that may give them permission to uh to, to know that they're not that's not strange i'm not saying right not strange that <laughs> <laughs> no i know exactly what you're saying so, there's yeah. you know um but it's true yeah. it is true because in a lot of people you know i don't know how, if it's scary as hell talking about this kind of stuff that yeah. you just experienced by yourself and right. in the car maybe or right. you know you think about these things and it is but the reality is is that there's so many other people that it's affecting yeah. um and you know i haven't figured it out yet but one yeah. you know i'm trying to i feel like there is um you know sitting right here right now you know it's uncomfortable but it's it's a step in the right direction i feel yeah. like and you know what you're doing and what other people are doing um you know, I, I know I want to do more. I don't know what that is yet. I'm right. figuring it out. All right. I know is I'm taking it one step at a time. But I feel like, um, you know, I was listening. I, there was a period of time where I was commuting 
an hour and a half each way to work and mm -hmm. there would be you know i started off listening to music and mm -hmm. things like that and then it started getting old and especially when you hit traffic and then you it's up to two hours one way um so I'd start, you know, listening to a lot of different kind of podcasts or YouTube videos, not watch it, but yeah. listening to it. And um, one thing that stuck with me is it said, you know, the rules that exist today were cr created by people that were no smarter than you mm -hmm. or I. So why are, we why are we not doing more to change the status quo mm -hmm. than we are? Because we have this false belief, oh, well, that's how it was. Sure. Right? How many years and everyone turned out okay right i mean yeah. is the world okay right now i don't know yeah, yeah i don't know um so that stuck with me because you know i've met some truly remarkable people in my life mm -hmm. and i just being in the same room with them and just watching them from my perspective solving the kind of things that they're solving and i just i can't help but think what if they just pointed that towards something else yeah like mental health yeah or anything um you know, I, what can be accomplished. Yeah. I think a lot. Yeah. Um, well, I think it's a big thing to, you know, for, for yourself to come on and, and talk about because mental illness doesn't discriminate. No, um, it doesn't. It doesn't matter about, you know, uh, race. It doesn't matter about economics. It doesn't matter about, mm -hmm. you know, parents that it were intact parents and, 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 and did all those things, you know, did all the, the healthy, normal things. Um, it, it, there's a there is a genetic disposition to um, mm -hmm. to a lot of mental illness. Now there is also mental illness that comes as a result of trauma and some some experiences in life, and and that's a different element. But that's also mental illness as well. But mm -hmm. um, but it doesn't discriminate, and I think that's the biggest thing. And and for the more that we can talk about it and and become educated and, and listen to these stories and recognize that. It is not only hard for the individual that it affects, but it's also hard on the family members and the significant others of the person being affected. Mm -hmm. um, and to be able to share those stories and how do we raise our awareness? How do we, how can we help um, build some bridges instead of putting walls and, and isolation around people? Mm -hmm. So, um, Nick, as we get ready to wrap up today, if there was anything in particular that you would want to li uh, leave for someone listening, um, what would that what would that be? Yeah, that's a good question. So honestly, <clears throat> and like I said earlier, if there's one person that is listening to this and eating it up and um, anything that I said would resonate with their own life, that's that's my goal. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, I want, I, I guess as a message is, is to um, keep an open mind and try, you know, when you... Um, in your daily life, everyone's daily life, they meet, I don't know how many people a day, mm -hmm. um, depending on what kind of job you have or if you're at the store, uh, kind of just keep um, keep that open mind and not be quick to, to judge. Like, oh, you know, you see someone, they look weird or something. Um, I, that's, a, that's, that's the biggest thing because, mm -hmm. you know, my brother, for a while, he couldn't go anywhere except for uh, the library, and he ended up getting kicked out of the library because people were reporting that, you know, he was staring at them, mm -hmm. you know. So, um, you know, it's just a part of our – it's a part of our society, but people don't talk about it enough um, or just be aware of it. So I just – that's that's the biggest message I can – Sure. I can because, you know, all of us can change um, – can change a perception together, but – 
you know, as long as everyone is is a little bit more open-minded, a little little change in attitude. If everyone just kind of tweaks their attitude just a little bit, I feel like can have a, a pretty significant impact. Yeah, I agree. The, the perception that we have around breast cancer has changed tremendously, or around AIDS has changed tremendously with, with all the advocacy and, and all the people coming up and speaking. And I think the mental illness and suicide um, has the same potential of being able to change the stigma. Because even when we talk about suicide, it's never about suicide. It's about what are the things that are leading to someone being in that darkness, and mm-hmm. uh, and and the majority of the time that has to do with some form or some type of mental illness. So, um, Steve, thank you very much for being here. Thank you for uh, having the courage to be here and um, having the courage to be vulnerable enough to share your story. Thank uh, you. So thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Appreciate no it. No problem. Um, very much like Steve shared. Um, uh, the 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 struggles and the difficulties of of how mental illness can affect individuals. Um, the biggest thing that we can do with that is um, shatter the silence around that. How do we break that stigma around it? And the biggest thing we can do with that is just being able to talk about it, um, become educated, be aware, and and just talk about it. Uh, thank you very much for being with us today, and look forward to being with you next week.